Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Hey, this is Prophet Ashley, and welcome to the Paula Price Show, the beginning of our anniversary month celebration. Today, we are power-packed with special guests, surprise guests, Dr. Price, our host who never changes, and uh, just some new things going on here. So welcome and returning welcome to the Paula Price Show, celebrating the beginnings of our fourth year anniversary month celebration. If you are tuned in to Dr. Price on Facebook and any of our other social media, as well as our email list, you should be receiving every single day one of our top 20 shows, top 20 because of subject matter or top 20 because of ratings. But we just are thrilled to recap with you. What has been going on in the last four years with the Paul Price Show? This month is going to be full of success stories and other people who have come through. You're going to hear testimonials of those who are relocating to Tulsa for Dr. Price's ministry because, hey, when you have a good thing, you just can't get enough of it. That's my motto. Sometimes that can be bad for you, but, hey, when it's God, I guess it isn't bad for you at all. So we are on this journey of becoming scripturally organic and culturally unmodified and recognizing that in every aspect of culture, every aspect of life, in our churches, in our worship, in the decisions that we make in the movies that we see, it really doesn't matter um, what, it really doesn't matter uh, what area uh, it can be that all the way around. And so scripturally organic tunes into so many things. And you just don't realize how inorganic you are. It is like when you go organic in your diet. You think you're doing good. We've all been there. I'm going to cut back on sugar. And then you start reading the ingredients of what you're consuming. And you realize it's not as healthy as I thought. And so that's the same thing that we're going through in our scripture organic, culturally unmodified journey, where we think that, yeah, I'm good with God. I'm great in this journey, and there's a lot of additives in the gospel that I've had. My, my, my. And actually, the pure, unadulterated word of God is a little distasteful, like that carrot without 10 pounds of salad dressing. It just tastes so healthy. (laughs) I mean, I wanted to say, really, it's the most dangerous thing about just cutting back and just doing salads. You can add so much fat and calories to your salad with the dressings and all the other toppings, that you might as well have the bench. And that is true. You're looking fabulous today, I want to say. Ooh, fabulous. Yeah, we have a live audience. Matchy, matchy. 
And Dr. Price, I want to welcome you to your show. show.
So I would say to you, I'm excited. I put my team together. I want them to work. I want their visions. I want their dreams. This is, you know, their vision, if I train them right, will be an extension of mine, an emanation of mine, maybe even a variation. Praise God. They have some great ideas. But I'm going to say to those of you, first of all, learn how to train people. Secondly, learn how to train yourself to deal with people particularly the up-and-coming. You know, I, um, I, you, we hear so much negativity about the quote-unquote millennials today and the, the pre- and post-millennials that we don't realize that these people have weight and merit. It is not their fault that they were reared in a culture that we, our generation, tore down because we didn't appreciate it or approve of it. And so they're the fallout. But they have amazing powers, amazing strength. Their experiences are needed for the days to come. And so you need to pay some attention to developing your people and developing them not just as sons and daughters, but also as future carry-ons. They're going to take this thing to the next level. And so I, we talked about that. Was it Ashley? We talked about it Ashley Thursday. Was that Thursday? We talked about how you came as, you know, a twin, uh, yeah. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. I'm okay because it's only no, today no, is Thursday. No. All right, Hallelujah. It was this year week. Okay, praise God. Well, but I'm excited because we talk about that. I look at them now and I listen to them and I watch the word that I sold and the years that I poured into them manifest into a human being, into a minister of the gospel, and I get excited. And I'm excited today. I'm gonna slap just on GP. Oh, this is the call. I got this pretty little clock, and I'm excited. All of you who are out there, pay attention, and not so much to just bash them or crush them, you know? And, I mean, when I had this, oh, Jesus, I could probably lose you. Praise him. I did, and they survived me. And it was a team, and now I no longer have a bunch of youngsters that I'm trying to get to get it and stay with God. I now have people who are leading the way to, in their generation and in their particular genres, and they're not all the same. So if you're listening to me today, I want to encourage you, do not work as hard as you're working, and then leave your work to die. Many of these ministries that are not around again is because they were too afraid to share the glory with the future. And you've got to be willing to share present glory to ensure future. And so you have to do it. That's why they're gone. So I, I don't have that concern. You know, I think about it. And, I, you know, God, thank you that you gave me that wisdom. Now let me close this thought with something that's important, and that is be worthy of good help. Sometimes you don't get good help because you're not worthy. Sometimes you don't get good help because you don't understand what to do with them. And sometimes you don't get God's best because you keep trying to give him the less, and you're looking for the best to come to take you off the hook to do all of the heavy lifting, to do the work for you. So I wanted to say that. I thought that was really good, Ashley. Don't you think that was good? It was good, Dr. Price, and very uh, relevant, even addressing some of the very real issues that leaders don't want to say. Why? You put in so much time with us, and still put in time with us, uh, and you have to be a developer. I say to a lot of my trainees in our program, how many leaders do we know in the church that never have one leadership class? Themselves. Themselves. But they're getting them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they don't know the leadership experience. They don't know the experience from, from the side of the trainee. 
Forget the deal, only to train up. So are we ready? First, first. Going to the line. Going to the line. Hi, line. And to Apostle Nona. Oh, look at that. Oh, my gosh. Is there an Apostle Nona on my phone line? I'm getting excited. <laughs> Dr. Price. Amen. How are you? I'm excited to I'm be here with you today. I'm glad you were able to call in. That you were a surprise. You know, I didn't get my surprises until I was coming on set here. So I'm thrilled about whatever she's playing. I'm giving God the glory. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we just decided to just open up the ring and jump into it and just just tell you how pr- I just want to tell you how proud I am of you. For these four years of incredible ministry, Dr. Price, I, I'm just, um, I'm just so blessed that God has given given you to us, the body of Christ. You are so needed in this time, and well, I think we're finally starting to catch up with you. You know, you've been way ahead of us for a long time, but I think that God's got a people that's finally starting to catch up with you and uh, the mind that God has given you, the revelation, the understanding, and so I just want to be one of the first ones to say thank you for enduring. Thank you for pushing through all of the hardship, the hard times, the disappointments, and hanging in there so that God can use you the way that he's using you today. Well, I do thank you for that. It means a lot coming from you. You know, this is one of my daughters in the Lord. Now, she's one that I I adopted. I have some I inherited. (laughs) Hallelujah. Some I begot. And some I adopt. And so she's one of my adopted ones, one of the daughters that just really takes takes care of me and watches out for the work. And again, brought in and, and just bearing the fruit. Isn't God good? God's a sugar. You know, he's a he, sugar that he is. You know he is. And I thank you for joining me on my anniversary, four years. I like the four year marker because, you know, um Ashley and uh I did not think we were gonna get four months. But we did, four months yeah. and then four years. What? Well, you did, and, you know, it's getting ready to get good, just like a human four-year-old. You know, you're out of the terrible twos, you're out of the tempting threes, you're starting to communicate things, making sense, you're showing some maturity. And so all of that is happening with your show. It it is just moved over to a place of great acceptance. And, and again, I just want to say happy anniversary to you. Thank you for rescuing me and then adopting me. (laughs) Well, thank you, too. I'm glad you stopped by, and uh, we're going to be talking again real soon, but um, uh, it's just a blessing, and I want to pronounce a blessing on your day, on your your work, and even on the rest of the week for you. Thank you again for your wonderful words and your powerful support. God bless. You're welcome. God bless you. Love you much. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yay! Yay! <laughs> You know, our story, we have to have her on when she's in town again. Our story is just like, whoo, Jesus, it's an amazing story how she became one of my genuine adopted. You know, there are people who just attach, there are people who just wiggle through, but she just, we just, we just bonded. So, okay, this is um, your celebration (laughs) strategy. Okay, so I'm going to be. Uh, submissive, you know that's saying something. It is, it is. Well, I think we should have our other apostle on the line as well. I got two? We have two oh, I got me a, a pair of apostles. Oh, I got me a pair. Apostle Stephen Holt, I think Woo! 
Hello. Come on, hit that button. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. He may not be on the line yet. So let's go with our in-studio guest, and we'll give him five minutes. Okay, we can do that. I have two. You have two. Two. Two from you. <laughs> I do. Two of my fruits. So can we well, come on? Bring them you on. want to introduce your Okay. Oh, yes. We have with us live in the studio two voices that usually on Thursday we only hear over the line. <laughs> Especially one prophet in particular, Prophet Tala Price. We always see on Wednesday night sounding the alarm, getting us charged up, paying us out, doing all those things. And then we hear Prophet Adia every Thursday, even if she's not in doubt. We still hear her. She, she, she doesn't. <laughs> Similar 
uh, Christian experience, at least, at the very least, was not totally new to prayer and discussion of the prophetic. <laughs> and 1999 is when I rounded the corner in our communication arts department and saw the, the now lovely prophet uh, a, a, a apostle in the making, uh, <laughs> Ashley Clater, sitting at the desk doing her then uh, work study job at <laughs> right the job <laughs> uh, assistant secretary, and so it was great. We kind I met her for the first time, and we just kind of hit it off right there in that moment. Asked her where she was from, and then asked her if we could do something together. And she just kind of went with the flow, you know. Probably actually, she's the kind of like if she feels like this is okay, she'll kind of go with the flow. And so she went with the flow. With the flow. And so her, Tammy, and myself were all in uh, the communication arts uh, degree major together, and that's how we got our start. Um, we did a show, actually. Um, I was for my senior. You wrote a play. I wrote a play for my senior project. We had to, uh, well, we didn't have to write one, but I wrote one for my senior project. And uh, they came out, uh, Tammy and uh, Prophet Ashley and Prophet Adia, who was there to support a roommate or friend, <laughs> came out to audition for this show I wrote called Voice of Destiny. And um, they were uh, uh, there performing or trying out for it. And I already knew that I wanted to pick, you know, Prophet Ashley for the lead and uh, Tammy for another role. But what was a surprise was she was sitting in the back <laughs> hiding out next to her friend. She was not there to audition. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, she was not there for that purpose. But I, I said, well, would you mind coming and trying out and reading for some of these, <laughs> these parts here? And so she read for the part. And I, most of you guys who uh, – may not know this about her. She is a phenomenal actress, actually. Yes, she, is. she is very, very good at it. I enjoy working with her. I enjoy directing her. But that is how I got my start. Now, here's the irony. The name of the show was called Voice of Destiny. And we had no idea that all of us were going to be in a part of one another's destinies just by doing that show, okay, <laughs> at all. And so after the show, we got together. They came over to my house. We, we bonded. We connected. And I began to share with them about somebody who was very important in my life who will remain nameless. <laughs> and so I began to talk to them about her ministry and the book she wrote on constructing the contemporary prophet. We talked about the prophetic being able to hear from God, and uh, that's what kick-started our connection beyond performance. And <laughs> when it, it was, what that would say, that was right. And so Prophet Ashley, of course, you know, said, well, can I see this book? And I brought out this 400-and-something page manual, and she says, oh, okay, so people write this much about prophets? <laughs> and that started the journey of asking questions and wanting to know more. So I said, hey, if you want to know more, before we were leaving for school that semester, I said, come over to my house one last time before everybody breaks away. I said, finally, my mom will be in town. Because they kept trying to meet her. I kept trying to introduce them. But she was traveling so much that they all, <laughs> they all thought I had a ghost or a parent. Because <laughs> there were no pictures in our home. There was just this book. Okay, and so that in the, uh, well, no, what was soon to be the Prophet Dictionary, the Prophet Dictionary was in the work and working out. We were working out the final product of that. And so I said, just come over. It was uh, uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Just come over and meet her. Mm-hmm. So they came over to the house. Chinese food. Yes. And Dr. Price. That was a hefty combination. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Chinese food digested fast, but that prophecy held on. 
for 18 years. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she literally, uh, after we ate and all of that, we moved into the living room, and she literally sat down and began to prophesy to all of them. She was sitting in her armchair. There was no music. There was no praying in tongues. Mm-hmm. There was no ministry. There was nothing. It was just, we went from, so how did you guys like the food? Great. Let me tell you what God's going to do in your life. <laughs> and it was pretty much like that. <laughs> and she gave each and every one of us there these very, very unique prophecies about things that we were going to do in our future and had no idea that she was prophesying mm-hmm. to her future health. No. And not. that everything that she said that they would be doing, they are doing with her. Never saw it. <laughs> she did not see that coming. Never saw it. So after Sunday, uh, she after that Sunday, I said, Hey, let's you know, let's keep in touch, let's whatever. Uh Prophet D was going back home to then Virginia, okay, and I said, Hey, let's keep in touch, let's, you know, do that. And then uh Tammy and Prophet Ashley decided to stay. I don't know if you were gonna do summer school or what. Did you take classes at summer or you just hung around? No, I was just here. I think I was just too broke to go home. Okay, <laughs> that's it. She couldn't go home. <laughs> <laughs> the college broke, huh? So she couldn't go home, and so as a result, uh, she ended up staying with me. Uh, no, you were in the dorm room, too. Dorm, yeah. yeah, so she did a summer school class, and then she stayed with me, and then she would go back to the dorms, and uh, we would connect, and so she became a, Oh, yeah, that's right. You were doing makeup on Something Good Tonight as a job for Richard Roberts. She was his personal makeup artist. And so we uh, connected that summer, and I said, hey, let's come to church. Let's go to church because she had no place to go to church. And so she went to church, and I think she was there for all of three weeks before Dr. Price had to take a trip to London, at which point she said, the praise and worship here is terrible. I can't minister uh, after this. And I we were new. Yes, we were new. Uh, we had just launched a, a, a church side of what we were doing. the same person. So the prophet Ashley and Tammy are sitting in the front row, and I'm sitting in the row behind them. She says, I need this to be fixed by the time I come back from the trip. I don't know how you're going to do it. And if you know Dr. Price, he says that phrase every day. I don't know how you're going to do it. But this, y'all need to fix this. Now, Tammy and, 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 and prophet Ashley are visiting. <laughs> they are visitors. And so she said, who in here, who in here sings? So I point to them two, because I know they have, I happen to know that they sang. And I'm not raising my hand, so I want to Neither is Tammy, because she's trying to figure out what's going on. So neither one of them raised their hand, and I'm doing this. And she said, so you sing? And now she's like, you're looking around like, this woman's up to me. Okay. And she's like, yeah, I've done that, you know, her previous church or whatever. She's like, well, look, I need you to fix this. <laughs> and when I come back in town, I'm going to have a praise and worship thing. <laughs> and you know the irony of irony about something just being your, a part of your divine destiny and how your divine destiny speaks to you no matter how it's presented. She went with the flow. Uh-huh. Who does that? No problem. Who, I mean, she doesn't no, know what it is. She didn't know the name of the church. No, we didn't know the name. She didn't know the name. Right. She didn't know the name of the church. Uh, she had just gotten there. There was no membership card. There was no visitor's card. We had only been there yet. We, right, right. We had only been there. We had, no, no, but we had just moved to that location. We had. Brand new. And so it was brand new. And so it was like we had nothing together, no usher at the door. Nobody shook her hand. It was just you just need to come <laughs> and sing. And you only had two weeks <laughs> to, get it to pull together a praise and worship team. 
okay, for a church that you aren't attending, and <laughs> for okay, <laughs> a woman you just met, okay, and yet she did it. She she rose to the occasion. Yes, she, she was uh, terrified. She didn't really always know what she was doing. <laughs> um, and her and Tammy came to. And Tammy, if you know her, she is your go with the flow person. Okay, and she's like, okay, cool. She's like, is this what we're doing? All right, I'm just gonna go with the flow. That's that's how it works. So just go with it. And so they just really, literally went with it. And in two weeks, Dr. Price came back, and we were all singing in the praise and worship team, and had rehearsal, and we were working through it. And so <laughs> that is how we started our journey together in yes. becoming a part of. Uh, New Creation Worship Assembly slash Paula Price Ministries at that time. And the rest was history. We were commandeered just from the praise and worship team. Yes. And, I, you know, the, uh, the wonderful thing about, um, about Ashley was that I just said, God, I don't even know why I have a church here. I'm not even sure what I'm going to do. And right. I had just said, I don't know anybody who would do this. And right. so when she showed up, I'm like, God said, she's going to start your praise and worship team. I'm looking at Ashley. Ashley's like this big, okay? She looks 10. I'm not sure she even knows Jesus, I'm assuming. And she's a good AG girl. Good AG girl. So she knew nothing about the prophetic other than people did prophesy now and again in the back room. Right. And so. They interpreted tongues. Yep, in the back room. And so she said, she said, I, he said, she's going to be your praise and worship um, leader. I said, but I don't know if she could sing. You know, when God calls a thing, he calls you, and truly your callings are before the womb. So when I came back, because I didn't even have an audition before I left, I had to leave quickly. And I came back, and she had pulled it together. And I said, huh, that little woman, yeah. And so she pulled it together. They, they, we, we had the, the, the band. We had the little, the little keyboard, the little clarinet girl. We was saying little piece, uh, piece drunk. Well, the first time it was all I could felt. We had nothing. Yeah, y'all saying, you all saying, I saw how long? For a long time before we got moved into something and else. And then we, period, we had periodic visitations from mm-hmm. the musicians. They visited. Yeah, they passed through. Yeah, we had passed through. And you know, that pass-through band. Some of you all know the pass-through band, don't you? <laughs> they passed through from Saturday night at the club. The Sunday morning at the church for repentance and penance, back out and they passed through again. And so, but the upside was that I began to train her. And she responded so extraordinarily well to training and development. Right. She's just hungry for training. And, and so we ended up having her. So now we get to talk about how you got here. Well, after she came back from school, uh, came back to school, so are you. I, we meet each other in the parking lot, right? I was gone. <laughs> I saw her. I saw her in a parking lot after, shortly after school started, and I was like, "Hey!" I was excited to see her. I didn't know how she felt on the other side. Well, my attitude about her was that her flesh was soft, but her, her spirit was chasing her. So there we go. It had to be. Had to be because she and her flesh was like, "I don't want to do this." And that man. summer, we had just launched. Uh, Let's Just Talk, Where God Makes Sense, which became Dr. Price's first uh, television broadcast here in Tulsa. And so uh, Prophet Ashley and I were handing out tapes and promoting all over campus this woman and who can answer questions about anything in Scripture, on any subject matter, and all of this. And so I meet her in the parking lot, and I said, you need to get plugged in. You need to get connected. You need to get plugged in. And, you know, she was so sweet and gracious and cordial to me at the time. She said, Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then thinking in her mind, no, I'm going to go do something else. I want to go check out Believer's Church. You know, I want to do all these things. So it's just kind of like, okay. So I saw her one Friday night, and I 
think, I don't know if you were going to North or coming back. I don't know how we met that Friday night and said, you need to come to church. No, no. Let her tell it. Let me tell you how it happened. Let me tell you how it happened. She came up to church. We we saw each other earlier in the week. She invited me. I was very cordial. Of course, of course. I was thinking maybe somewhere in the future I'll go. Well, Friday night comes around. Oh, I knock on your she door. She drives her. She was driving a, we had the dog we neon. We, we loved this car, okay? The car, <laughs> car became our life. She was driving a dog. <laughs> what is that? She's driving a dog. <laughs> <laughs> one who had a car. And, and those of you who are in California, I don't know what I'm talking about. She's the only one who had a car. So she drove her Dodge Neon up to campus, blue Dodge Neon. Next thing you know, I'm in my dorm, and I hear, <laughs> on my door. And I'm like, Okay, I open the door. She's at the door. You ready to go? I'm like, I did go. So come on, we're, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. Remember, we're talking about Friday night. I, was like, I remember, but I didn't say I was going. Like, I, was, I didn't commit to go. But let me tell you too. something. When either one of these two people is at your door, you don't say no. You, you go. Right. You go. It's the same. You go. So I was like, okay. That's how that happened. Yes. And so what made you first? But what happened when you first went? Let's well, I was really blown away, actually, the first time I went. <laughs> and at that time, really, to even to Dr. Price's credit, she was a big wave on our college campus at that time. Any of the students that went to Let's Just Talk, you came back and you came back again and again and again because she was tackling things that we had not heard other ministers talking about, and she was bringing a whole other level. So that first night, I really was very um, – I was provoked. I was intrigued. I wanted to know more. I really did. She was speaking in a way I had not heard. So, of course, I did go that following Sunday. Now, all of this happened within a weekend. So, Friday night, I, I came to Let's Just Talk with Prophetology, if you don't say no. And so, we go. I go to Friday, and I was really, really blessed by that Friday. So, I decided I'm going to go back. I'm going to visit again on Sunday. Then that was really history. Sunday was really when I ended up getting hooked and connected and didn't leave Prophet Ashley. So, so Prophetology got me there Friday, and then Prophet Ashley was the main reason why I ended up kind of and saying because I'm walking across the I'm leaving the church. I had not really decided about the church. And next thing you know, Prophet Ashley calls out they're gonna have praise and worship practice on <laughs> Monday. So Friday, my first day <laughs> more time than I did. So, <laughs> my second day and I'm walking across of course I'm walking guys college broke understand college no car so I'm walking across back to campus and probably actually calls out they're gonna praise and worship will like be there and I'm like mm-hmm. but for some reason my mouth said sure even though I was like <laughs> and I was like uh sure <laughs> And that was history, and that's how I ended up being connected, staying connected. And so we did not know, I did not know that Adia has such a tremendous voice. Um, and she really has a tremendous voice. So I've got a tremendous leader. I've got a wonderful team. we got Tammy. And she, she, has, perfect and she, yeah, she has, her ear is unbelievable. So we're sitting there, and I'm saying, wow, God, I don't know any of these kids. <laughs> but they're good. <laughs> they're really good. And I had come to Tulsa where I had been prophesied that I should come and prophesied that I should be here. But as with anything else, when you come in, you face the turf wars and the battles and and the defenses and all of that. So, you know, pretty much what I thought I would meet when I got here is not what I actually met. 
you know, and so uh, I had to really start from scratch, and I know that was God causing me to start from scratch, causing me to start with clean plates. You know, they all they know is we love Jesus and we're here to get a degree. And so it was a it was a difficult challenge, but watching them grow, and, and since I had grown up in choirs and I'd had training, voice training and all of that, um, myself, I just took over training them to sing. So we met every week, and, and it was interesting. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord, it was interesting. But they were faithful. And that's where you start with, you know, God said to me once, he said, but they're faithful. He said, and that's where I start. I start with who I know I can depend on because I can impart talent and I can impart skills and I can impart wisdom. He said, but I can't impart a faithful heart because I tied that to the will and so and to the and to the character and integrity. So he said they're faithful. So then we finally started said, Well we're gonna we're gonna go forward. We're gonna have some organization because you know me, I'm an organization lady. So we're gonna have some organization. I I, I you know, wrote out a uh, a, a code of conduct manual, and, and we laid out the prints of how you're going to do it, and, and then I had to step up, you know, how we, we were going to put over it and all of them. So I said, okay, so God, who am I going to really, you know, give this to? He said, Ashley. And he just called her name so boldly. I said, Ashley. He said, yes, Ashley will do it. So I'm excited about that. I said, Ashley will do it. But does she? Does she? Okay. And so it didn't matter because at this point we're all starting at ground zero. On some level, this ground zero all the way around. And so he said, Ashley will do it. He said, and I'm choosing her because she will keep it going the way I want. He said, Ashley will start on time. She will maintain the order. She will maintain the, she'll follow the God. He he laid it down. He said, she will do it. He said, and right now, he said, you know, you don't know her, but she will become a daughter to you. He said, I'm giving all of these to you. I said, okay. So I did, and sure enough. Here we are all these years later. Ashley is still there. We're going to start on time. We're going to have some voice rehearsals. We are going to do this. We are going to do that. And if you've ever seen them together, she has done a phenomenal job. There are 18 years of my work and hers. And then we finally got Prophet Adias to settle in. And she became, she now has a voice coaching business, and she became the one that coaches our people. And, but, but how we got started, the real hook, you heard him talking about let's just talk what God makes sense. We started Friday night, you know, on campus. I, I was known on campus from, from my previous years, so I had a little bit of an entree there with ORU. We were right across the street, and as they pointed out, most of them didn't have cars, so they came across the street because, well, it was convenient. Mm-hmm. Like that car. Okay. But I'm thinking about some of the other, well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> In the hotel, we have our best in very hotel. They were always, I stayed there for three months when I relocated. So I go there and we start this Friday night, you know, question and answer. It's not a question, QA, you know, it was just question and answers. And they would ask me questions and I would answer it. And I mean, I had the, 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 um, the theology majors, it was wonderful. I had the philosophy people, I had the other world religions folks, I had them all. And it was, we would sit there and we, we did it for how long? How long did we do that? Before we went on TV. We did it three years before I went on television. And I mean, it got to the point that we can do it. And, and, and we get those who be angry. You know, they get angry. They fuck because, you know, folk are folk. But we answered it. And, and I had a chance to really, I have to say, I think that's when I began to hone 
who I was and my knowledge. And so they would ask me, and then we finally got on television. We got on Channel 47, didn't know if it would work. We ended up being quite popular because we were dealing with those issues and dealing with the questions, you know, whether it was, um, you know, capital punishment, whether it was, you know, abortion. We dealt with it all. You know, I had, huh? Aliens. We dealt with aliens, huh? Aliens, clonings, we did it all. All of it. Had to do it because we had to, you know, they wanted to understand. And eventually the numbers just grew, and we just packed out that little room. We went downstairs and started filling that room up, and then we went on television. And that, from there, you know, we had a, a bunch of local people here, local, um, you know, Tala has friends. Mm-hmm. Tala always has friends. So let me just tell you, Tala has friends. We don't know where she gets them, but she's got some friends. So she had friends. She talked them into helping us put together a pilot, and they, they were so intrigued by how it went that, you know, they continued to support us. I still to this day thank God for every one of them because they let me know what we could do and how we can do it. So. That's pretty much how we got started. And, come, yeah. Then I decided that, I realized, I didn't decide that God did that. I realized they were all prophets. <laughs> and we started putting them through prophet education class. You know, now imagine trying to make prophets out of two very sweet AG girls. <laughs> come on, Adina, you can share it. <laughs> oh, they're grapefruits. I love the roots. But you all didn't know her. Oh, okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> great roots. I mean, great teaching. I often said that, say, particularly about Ashley, I said, just talking to her 10 minutes, I knew she had a great pastor. You know, people can know how, how good a pastor you are by your, by your yeah. folks. They'll know your pastor. And you, don't, you can brag all day long, but how do your people communicate the Lord and the things of God and Scripture? So, so yeah. dear, tell me, where, where after you settle in, just share this for a few more minutes. After you settled in, what made you begin to walk the journey, even though you were very jittery about it? I can admit you were jittery. Um, yeah, I think Sunday after Is Sunday, you know, obviously God was building and building on the revelation. So I often tell people that transition here with us, I say you just have to give it time because there will be, it's like a series of, of months and even sometimes years where you don't feel like you're connecting with the information and then one day you wake up and you are. And I think it was like that for me. I was staying and staying and staying because there was something about it that was so different than I had heard anywhere else. And so um, I did not feel like I could just walk away from that word. It's kind of like once you're exposed to something that you know is so different, um, you just don't feel that you can just walk away like you didn't hear it. Mm-hmm. it, it was, I couldn't unhear what I heard. She was talking like eternity in the now, and, and I had no idea what that meant. But, but it was powerful, but I had no idea. But I was like, this is so powerful, you know, but I was like, I don't really know what it means, but man. But it was also, it was, it was uh, I think it was a lot of consistency because at that time, um, that next year I decided to stay for the summer. We all stayed together. We started walking through Dr. Price's book, Constructing. Now, I know I am, I'm saying something that a lot of you out there are going to be like, ah, Constructing, don't mention it. But uh, I'm sorry. But we went through it, and yes, I have a copy. Don't get mad. It's just what it is. I've been here in Tulsa, and that's why I have a copy. You know you can wrap it up. Oh, right, right. You can email me. I might be willing to take the highest bidder. But, um, <laughs> don't mess with these people. These, uh, uh, these people are not funny. Messages and pay off your car. Um, but we were going through constructing the contemporary prophet at that time, and 
when you are who you are, just it does speak to you. And so we were we were being rooted and grounded in this. We were getting Dr. Price on Sundays, let's just talk on Fridays. And when we weren't doing that, we were consecrating, we were praying, we were quitting. I mean, did we not go through five or six consecrations in our college career? And we I was only in college for four years. It literally felt like we were on consecration every ninety days. We were doing consecration. We were going to You know, so we were we were soaking in this, and so you don't realize that it's changing you. So by the time graduation came around, you know, obviously I had changed. Mm-hmm. So I think that I I connected instead because it was changing me. Amen. Isn't that powerful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she, and again, thinking about the fact that you didn't know you were coming here to be a prophet. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, as a final statement from you, what would you say to those young people who are were you, were you were how old when you came here? I was 19 when I met you. 19, and that was... I'm older than I was. She, yeah, and so she was 19, and how did you not get... I mean, what was it that talked you out of the college life, that talked you out of the all of the things that are common for college uh, as a 19-year-old away yeah. from home for the first time? What was it? That's a good one. I, I think it is definitely about how God steps into the picture. So in other words, he's introducing me to destiny, but then he really steps in and doesn't let you go. And I think it's about not ignoring that. You've got to be willing and mature enough to recognize when it's the Holy Spirit calling you, when it's God speaking to Mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. um, and and not make it just about everything else. You know what I mean? Make it about the pastor or the people. Because if you do that, they'll do one thing wrong and you're out. But if you're, if you, and I think we said this a lot when we were in school, we knew that God had put us together. We said that many times. We knew that we couldn't walk away because we knew that God had ordained us to do this. So I think it's about you being uh, strong enough, being mature enough to to be honest, to Mm -hmm. recognize that, you know what, it's not about the place I'm in. It's not about the people that God has assigned me to, but it's really about God and what he's asking me to do for him. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can be honest about that, that you can stay in the will of God for your life. And that goes back to the mm-hmm. passage that says obedience is better than sacrifice, right. and rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Right. You don't realize that it is better to obey, you know? Yes. And so I think that's powerful. How about you? What would you say being at that time? I mean, in your – well, let's say you for last. We're going to go to you, Ashley, and ask you the same question because you have a little bit of a different take on it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So – what about you, Ashley? How would you, what would you say to today's young people based on your being here at 20 and you're still here serving God and laying it down for him? I mean, you all laid a lot down for the Lord. What would you say? Well, we've seen, you know, we've met a lot of people who did lay it down for God, and their lives show it. If you can have faith in the beginning of the journey to know that God does truly know what's best for you, you can avoid a train wreck of experiences in your life. Um, in my walk, I just never really had an appetite to do anything else. Mm. The other thing, even I went to a school, I transferred to Oregon, and I was in another school, had friends and all kind of everything under the sun. I was around it in that mm. environment, and it never appealed to me there. When mm. I had the choice, when there was no pressure, when there was no obvious you know, just so people don't understand, we all had choices, mm-hmm. and we all had lives and opportunities, even at a young age, before we came to Tulsa, before we met you, and decided then, there was a decision I obviously, I guess I made in my heart before I ever met you, mm-hmm. that that wasn't the life I wanted, regardless mm-hmm. of what I did. And so, um, 
<laughs> and this just, it consumed our life. And something is going to consume your life. Mm-hmm. You just have to accept that. It's either serving God, if you allow it, or serving your career, or serving your family. Something is going to consume you. Mm-hmm. And this was it. And we had opportunities even along the way to take different paths and different journeys and family putting the pressure on, ridiculous amounts of pressure, ultimatums, cutting people off. I mean, the whole thing happened uh, for that because of ministry, mm-hmm. period. Because serving the Lord, a lot of times, uh, you know, I saw in my own life when people who had the opportunity to serve God didn't, when they met us who did, mm-hmm. it was that mirror that they couldn't really handle. So they wanted to shatter the mirror. And they wanted to shatter the mirror. And um, mm-hmm. this produced all kinds of mayhem. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously the best decision of my life. Serving the Lord is the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Because life happens in and out of God. Right. But being that close to the king, mm-hmm. like anybody who's that close to a, a leader or a head, when something crazy goes down, you cover it. they're right there. Mm-hmm. Immediately right there. A lot of our trials were c- cut short. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that we went through didn't go the way up. Other people, other people go through financially, they're sleeping in their car mm-hmm. in a parking lot. And that's not us. Mm-hmm. We're stacked up in your house. Sure. <laughs> and stop your work. Indeed. Indeed. Go to the holidays. Uh, and yeah, so this you know. is, you know, wisdom that is, is that what God calls you to do? And don't apologize for it. And, and, and don't beg forgiveness. Don't beg forgiveness and don't let people, I, I could never even give people the idea that they were right <laughs> about anything they said. Well, I don't know, then don't talk. They, you already say you don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't need to have conversation. <laughs> and she really meant it. Oh, I know. She really did it. I know, guys, you don't think that she's that, but she did. Oh, no. She really did. Can I just tell a quick story and then I'm going to listen to, I want to hear her. This is, I think this is powerful. Are you all enjoying this? Because this is powerful stuff. And it's what this generation and this culture needs. You know, I didn't just come up with culture unmodified. Or I, and I didn't cut, just invent today cultural demodification. I, this is something that we did. These are the fruits of the process that work. But, you know, um, Ashley worked at a retail store, and so I love it because she has, a, you know, I always think about it. I said, I knew she was an apostle because that, that scored like tongue. And so she says, um, so this guy was giving her, wasn't he giving you a brief about Jesus? What yes, did you say? one of my coworkers. Okay. He was jogging an uh, evangelist, one of the young evangelists. Mm-hmm. Don't forget me more, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, don't let me take your story. Oh, yeah, he, he was just saying uh, about the evangelist when he was in the news. Somebody, you know, taking at him for something mm-hmm. he said
they don't like Jesus Christ, why are you giving them credence for giving an objective opinion? You know, and, and the minute we, we start standing up saying, but you don't know Christianity. You don't know that I know it because if you knew it, you wouldn't be opening your mouth like that. You'd have a whole different experience, whether you understood it or not. There would be a reverence. The fact that you're irreverent means you can't stand the man. So let's not talk about it. You know, nobody's going to, well, let's be real. Nobody's going to talk about somebody, you know, I, you know, I can't stand her. I can't stand him. But, boy, I sure enjoy it. Uh-uh. You are not going to give us an objective opinion. I'm never going to listen to the media. They will never, ever convince me, ever, because they don't exist for Jesus Christ. You're already started with a, with a uh, your, your opinion is already skewed. So why are we going to think it's true? I'm never going to listen to the people tell me that they know about God, and you don't. Because Jesus said the only way you can see the kingdom of heaven is to have it on any side of you. You cannot give a true assessment of Christianity if you're outside looking in, just like you cannot give a true assessment of what's in somebody's house looking through the window. I don't care about your listening devices and your picture devices. You Man. still can't figure out what's in the drawer, what's in the closet, what's under the carpet, and what's under the bed. So it's okay. on you. Now, your question. Okay. You know, first of all, guys, you have got to understand, I am excited about this woman. Amen. She's my daughter, and she has been a fighter and a warrior, sometimes fighting for me, sometimes fighting with me, at times fighting me. But she has been a powerful ally and advocate of what I'm doing, tireless and resent, you know, we, uh, what do you call it, relentless. I almost say resentful, but you had a little bit of that too, but you got over that in the early days. Early day. By the time you got to college, you were free. And so, but, but the point that I'm saying is that, it is an honor to have a, a, a child that is 100% for you and with you, so much so that she tells everybody, she brings all her friends, you know, she brought all of her friends with me and to do it. And I just want to say clearly, I have to tell this story if I can before I ask her this question, because it's true that God's our gifts and callings are without repentance. I, I lost the daughter before Carla. And before the daughter, that baby died, God visited me and told me the baby would die. And he said, but I'm going to give you another seed that will be great in the earth, that will be by your side and never leave you. Now, he pointed out in business, so I hadn't, at that time, I wasn't saved, so I didn't think she'd be by my side in ministry because I didn't think I was going to be in ministry. I'm in business. And so true to God's word, that baby died. And not long after, I got pregnant with Tyler. Well, the interesting thing about it was that I, I must have been four or five months pregnant before I knew she existed. And I kept saying, why am I feeling so bad? And finally, because I didn't have any other signs. And so I was very thin. So it didn't take much for me. You know, I could, nobody knew. I was extremely thin. But God told me that this was the child he gave me. And I say this to you because somebody out there needs to know. God already knows and has already ordained the son and the daughter that will walk with you. She was, she's the daughter that would walk with me. And so from, from a little girl, Tyler was served the Lord. Four years old, she got baptized in the Holy Ghost, laid out for almost two hours in the middle of church service. We just left it there. Thank God for a church that lets you lay there and let the Lord do, do his work. <laughs> we left it there. She came up from that moment a prophesying and has prophesied ever since. So it's been a blessing, you know, dealing with her. And, and Tyler will tell you herself, um, she doesn't know anybody but Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Boy, which, what have we, okay, nothing. 
But I want to ask you, what would make, what were, just quickly, and we're going to have another show on this, God. We're going to have a whole other show on me and my team. And we have a couple of the other ones there, too. You'll get a chance to just hear what they're doing. We have a couple, you know, that just stay, and just no matter what. Because you should know how God makes grace. And that's one of the things that we learn. But as, as the baby daughter, hallelujah, and it's as no the one that can't come. No longer baby. No, no longer baby. You're mine. And forever. so forever, amen. And so, but, and then the one that came to college and that I came up. So, so just what made you stay with Jesus and to be, to give in to this calling? I mean, if you could say it in a. What made me stay with Jesus? This way. Because you were in college where you had a pulpit. Uh, yeah, that's true. But I, I was, I think it was similar to the experience that they had as well. I always knew, even growing up, that what we were doing was unique. It was different. It wasn't common. When I came out, when I first went to my first college, which is in Philadelphia, I went to the University of the Arts, and um, and it, it was a free fall. It was. I was in the, you know, I would say the amoeba of Haiti, okay, because it was just all of the, you know, where how all of the stuff that we're living today gets started and how all the origins of it, you know, get birthed on college campuses. Yeah, I was in that kind of cesspool. And um, everything you can name under the sun was going on there. Um, I was visited by things. I was accosted by various religious types of all kinds, Christian and otherwise, um, had an opportunity to engage full throttle, unfiltered, you know, experience with that aspect of the world. And I'm not just talking about your typical drugs and sex and alcohol reality that goes into college uh, campus, but I'm talking about uh, witchcraft being included in my training program. And the curriculum. And the curriculum that I was studying, teaching you how to do, how to take on different spirits so that you can transform into different things that you needed to. And, and it was an education with it. Um, metaphysical, trans, uh, trans, um, transcendental mm-hmm. meditation, and all of that kind of stuff that was in the core classes, a part of your, mm-hmm. you know, learned uh, 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 curriculum and, and development, and then dealing with the people and their various belief systems on top of oh, that, yeah. and alternative lifestyles of every kind. So I knew when I was in that environment um, that I was kind of like Prophet Ashley, that this ain't really speaking to me, mm-hmm. you know, as, as, as like, first, I'm gonna go for it. Yeah, like I was very lonely. I didn't really connect. I didn't really fit in like that. I found the two or three people who mentioned Jesus' name periodically and wasn't scared to talk about church. Um, And then, of course, outside of those, you had all of the people who raid college campuses Mm -hmm. to try to conform you into different sects of Christianity. Um, So I was told by them I wasn't even born again. Um, And that was confusing, you know, because they were Christian-ish. And so it's like you ain't saved because you're not out there getting people saved or you're not saved because you haven't done this or you're not saved because of all of these reasons. And being young and introduced to a massive amount of other religious activity at one time became overwhelming. But in that process, I was able to discover something that you wanted me to discover on my own, and that is why Jesus was my personal Lord and Savior and not just the Lord and Savior over my home. When you're a PK, it becomes all fused together, so you don't realize that you're not making personal decisions for your faith and personal decisions for your own walk with the Lord. You're going with the family business. And so when I was had that season apart from the family business, 
and the family guards were not okay, was not there like that in in mass. I had to make some choices on my own. And what I ended up discovering was that uh, the only thing I ever wanted to be was a Christian and that this thing was in my DNA. It was in my nature because although the opportunities to express myself or to engage in other activities was there, it just didn't blend. It didn't mesh. As you know, the Holy Ghost is for real when he's on the inside of you. When he said he's able to keep you from falling, things were pushed out. I mean, it doesn't matter. There were opportunities for a lot of things to happen on that campus to me even. Okay, but the Lord was like, nope, nope, nope. I mean, he chose the friends. He chose the people. He would have people walk past me. He would have roles, get me not be able to get parts and things. It was all of it because he was like, nope, nope, nope. I'm here. You're here to see, okay, what the problem is and to have this experience and to know why Jesus Christ was the choice. What I ended up doing on that campus was no different. Okay, my, this right here. I was all okay. I knew that I, I just knew that my mom had the answers to everything. She did. Okay. She did. The answers to life, the answers to God, the answers to things that people want to know because that's the way we grew up talking around the house. It was never about a denomination or a doctrine. Jesus was always real. So I always expected him to show up in some form or fashion. <laughs> Even on campus. I'm like, I can't do this because God's gonna walk in the room. And we were separating as roommates because she was going on to graduate. 
She said, I'll always remember this. And the tape was about this big. It's in one of those little mini recorders. And she said, I'll always remember this. And I remember coming into my dorm room one time and hearing her. Over and over again. Listening to the tape over and over again. Because her parents had pretty much rejected her. She had lived, she's doing school on her own. She's going out at $100,000 in debt, not sure where her career was going to be. You know, boyfriend just dumped her. All this kind of stuff was going on in her life. And all she had was this word that somebody gave her that God had a plan and a destiny for her life. That's all she had was someone broke through the darkness and said, God has this. You know, we, we, we preached Jeremiah 29:11. but how does God pull that off? Do his prophet. And she was a prophet that said, I know the thoughts that he has for you. Okay. To do you good and not evil and to give you a future. And he left that girl with the hope and all of the midst of her brokenness. And I think that's what inspired me when I got back home. I was kind of lost and confused about what I, where I would go to school, if I wanted to go back to the den of sin, or if I wanted to go to ORU prison. You know, so that's what it felt like at the time because there was so much rules. So I didn't really know. But what really made the difference was I want the ability to do that, to change people's lives like that, to make that kind of impact in people's world. And to have that kind of connection with God that is so real and authentic and genuine that people's lives can be changed from it, So no matter what. So I went to ORU out of obedience because she told me this is the plan that God had for your life and you need to go this way, and and he confirmed it. So I went this way. I had no idea that she was going to come my last year of school. And when she came my last year of school, God already let me know ahead of time her journey in the city was going to be brutal. And he said, look it, you cannot leave your mother. You have got to, you, and I didn't know that this was all a part of being trained to be uh, a, a prophet and uh, a watchman and a guardian. And for, I didn't know we were going to end up being Paul and Silas. But there had to be something that Silas knew about Paul's walk that made him understand you've got to endure this thing with him. Because when he got whipped, Paul got whipped. You know what I'm saying? It was all happening at the same time. But we firmly believe, and we still believe today, that this message has got to get out. That this this reality about Jesus Christ and the way we can engage and interact with him has got to be revealed and seen by the public. So we laid down our lives. We laid down everything that we could have, you know, that we had available at the time, money, resources, family, marriage. Everybody's talking about we need to be married, having kids. We should be more right now. But the most, our, our food and drink was knowing that this woman's message can get out so that we could, I could replicate what I saw happen on that college campus and watch people who did not know God from Adam mm-hmm. have their lives changed by the truth, the authentic truth of the word of God. Jeez. So that is what motivated me, and I think it keeps. Is that what your feelings are? Absolutely. I, I think that. Because you have the kids. You have to talk about that. So, uh, yes, I think in, in so many ways being able to take what you gave to me about purpose and, and understanding that you're, you know, a part of uh, God's bigger picture and, and not insignificant and being able to give that to kids to young people, um, to let them know they've got to start living for God right now. That was a huge thing. Well, I remember a Let's Just Talk episode when she was talking about that. You know, you think in your mind you have so much time to get it right, or you think that uh, you can just kind of do what you want with this part of life, and on the other side of heaven you'll get it right. I remember a Let's Just Talk episode when she was like, uh, the, close, the closest that you have with God right now, that's the closest you're going to have that. I was like, wait, what? I need to get closer. <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't want to be 
after those words. But how did you address the, like she said, it's been brutal here, but how did you address the resistance and the, the antagonism? I mean, because you all were young. Well, you guys had to do something that was very unique. If I could just interject this thought, and that is you also had to face off with your family. They didn't understand why you oh were making gosh. this level of sacrifice of and um, why you were putting yourself through all of this, you know, um, the backlash and the consequences and, you know, just even your life, having to, you know, make your life work here yeah. uh, and all of that. So, I, you know. I, I have had to face off. You know, we all have multiple times, it seems like seasonally some, some. Uh, but facing off with the opposition, I spend a lot of time watching success stories. You do. She does. Still do. Every story, although the script changes, the storyline is still the same. And you're doing something great, and I believe what we were trying to do is great. And mm-hmm. I still do. That's in, in the little hotel room. Everybody there, nobody there. People showing up, people taking everybody with us. I still thought these people just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was really just that simple. Uh, they yeah. need to bring their father, but they, they know. know. <laughs> they don't know. And it's not a good price. It's for sure they didn't go to the doctor. Oh, right. <laughs>
mm-hmm. everything came against him. Yeah, but no, this is my calling. This is what God is David. This is who I am. Esther, hey, I perish, I perish. Mm-hmm. She didn't. Praise God. No, she got us. She got, she got a little familiar. But, but, but hey, many, 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 many did. before her mm-hmm. did. Yeah. And uh, that was no light statement to make. So that's just really how I've made it through, even with family, even in recent rounds, uh, mm-hmm. whatever. Being a prophet and an apostle in training gives you the insight and I would say the edge to look beyond the flesh that's flying at you mm-hmm. to really see what's going on behind the scenes. Mm. Excellent. To alter. I have had to rein myself mm-hmm. in when it comes to personal relationships, knowing if I put my mouth out there, responding like somebody normal mm-hmm. who doesn't have this assignment or power mm-hmm. behind my word, I can destroy my life. Yeah. Now, that's a powerful thought. Well, I just want to say one thing. If, if you would not mind addressing this for two seconds, and that is the funniest statement I ever heard, but I think it's a great way to end this, uh, when you had to explain to people why you were a prophet, Okay, and what that meant. Uh, and I remember this story. I don't know if you remember uh, telling me this or not. We were we were at breakthrough. We had just gotten ordained, and you had to go and share with family and friends and all of that that you were now a prophet, and them not understanding what that was. Your response was so brilliant. I don't know if you if you remember right, it. What, I mean, but how do you ordain a prophet? I mean, how do, how does one know? How do you know you're a prophet? I don't know. I, I mean, what was your um, when you had to explain to people who did not necessarily agree with it, like they did, they weren't trying to be adversarial, but they didn't understand and they didn't necessarily. Agree. Well, they weren't accustomed to people saying I'm an ordained prophet. And didn't know what that was. Yeah, and I remember you having to kind of, I mean, along with having to defend why you were going down this road, okay, <laughs> of walking through this particular type of ministry that was very, very different. And that's uh, Prophet as you pointed out, high accountability. Did you want me to tell the story? Yeah. Because you don't remember? (laughs) (laughs) You were talking to me about this. You were sharing this this story uh, with me about having to try to explain to family and friends about something that they don't know or understand or believe in or what does that mean? Uh, That, you know, you can hear from God better than me. But, I mean, how can you really prove that you were called to be a prophet and how can she prove that she's called to be an apostle? Prophet Adia's response was so quick. She said, well, how did your pastor prove it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was just that simple. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Because no one ever thinks about the fact that your pastor never had to prove anything to you mm-hmm. other than you agree with this message or you disagree with it. You like that anointing, you didn't like that anointing. But, you know, we have to go through what? The, the 8 to 10, the 12 degree. Right. I think our whole lives were about going mm-hmm. through the 12 degree step mm-hmm. about, you know, proving, proving that God spoke to you. And yeah. being you under the apostle. You don't yes. know what God said about you. got it off the internet. You don't know. Well, you talk about our leader's black, our leader's a woman, and our yeah. leader is an unashamed apostle mm-hmm. and an advocate for the prophetic in Jesus Christ. And we had to have very yeah. quick responses yeah. and defense systems and mechanisms to be able to explain in a uh, not and maybe confrontational but not adversarial way to the people around us who were like, mm-hmm. we don't get what is happening here. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens when you're coming alongside what we know is a trailblazer and a pioneer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought that was very quick. It was just like, huh, I never asked my pastor how he got his calling and how he knows that God called him. And, or asked him to prove his testimony. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, to prove that. Right. Well, I just got it in my heart. Well, so did I. Okay. But don't you find it interesting that the, the most powerful 
position right now or, or office that we have functioning in the church does not have to have an encounter with Jesus no, Christ? No encounter with Jesus. I just think that's interesting. I don't know. That's just my own little Nothing about And you take that take your word for it. Say yeah. Okay? Whether they got two people or 200 people or two million people, doesn't matter. You have to take their word for it. And you have no way to really track that, them other than the bodies in the seat. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the leverage. I feel yeah. led right now, Ashley, to ask if they have any questions. I don't know why. I just feel questions brewing. If you want us to, any one of us, it doesn't have to be me, to address anything, um, I'm going to give you time to do that because it's um, a lot has happened. This turned into something entirely different, but then with God, it tends to do that. Um, but he has a reason. So if you have a question and then let us know, Ashley, while they're getting their questions together, do you want to read off some of the comments or feedback that we're getting? Oh, it was, uh, most of it was thanking us for sharing. And uh, it was going silent, though, actually. Good. Profundity, yeah. I love it. Okay, just call Christ on TV. Yes. Mm-hmm. You want to sign up for that? Someone said, well, in the beginning when you were talking about legacy, there was some comments about that, how that was a good word mm-hmm. on yeah. why you need to yeah. set up your legacy, and how you can't be so short-sighted mm-hmm. or self-centered mm-hmm. that you don't do what you need to do to set that up. Okay, lots of congratulations. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, wonderful to hear their backstory and practical wisdom. Apostle Sally wants to know, how long did they go through training before being ordained? Well, let's see. I know that we were in training Really, from if you start with constructing, I mean, it had to been from the beginning, 2001. We were ordained in 2006. We started going through constructing in 2001, and we were officially in training with what was then Everlasting Life Bible Institute, 2002, because I remember I was graduating from ORU, and I was in Dr. Price's program. Um, so we went from that, you know, 2002. We, we were training. We had to have been training 2002, 2005. And then from 2005 to 2006, the three of us were going through our ordination readiness, um, which was a 12 to 18 month process. And then we were being ordained. So mm-hmm. was that it was how did it five five or so years was training before years. ordination. But little do they tell you that after ordination, Woo! that's when your training actually happens. <laughs> before ordination, <laughs> it's after y'all. And, and, and how long was your probationary period? Because you all, I didn't, I didn't ordain you fresh out like that. You still had a couple of years. Yeah, or, uh, we were we were ordained twenty two thousand six. Where you talking about like that probationary? Mm-hmm. It's like eighteen to twenty four months that you're mm-hmm. you're in your probationary. Trust me, I was told many things during those eighteen months. <laughs> like, girl, you could lose it Love like that. that. So absolutely, they are. They were never locked in until they put in at least two or three years of under the pressure. The reason I do that is because even in the training uh, segment, the they could read and they had my covering and all of that, yes, but they could read, but there was minimum exposure other than the controlled environment that I created for simulations and things like that. But after they were ordained, they were released. Now they had to be in that office, and I wanted to observe how they responded and interacted with that office. And that, I would have to say, was the hardest part, you know, when you were loosed, loosed and freed. Just give a 30-second um, um, overview of the training that you, as you know it. 
to have gotten you ready? Uh, like she said, they, they started with construction. We did that on our own accord, uh, just to take the initiative of learning more about what this thing was that we were all intrigued by uh, in our prophetic awakening experience. Um, a lot of them, that was their prophetic awakening experience was dealing with that. After we did that, we did Everlasting uh, Life Bible and Prophets Institute. Dr. Price started us off with um, understanding prophecy, and then we would go from prophecy to dealing with um, the prophet to dealing with gift versus office, and then uh, finally dealing with uh, understanding the elements of the office itself. And that's the, the short, short, short version. Yes. You get that it was the 30-second version. The 30-second version. Yeah, it takes a long time. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Does every, this is, I kind of reworded this, but um, does every calling include financial hardship and going through financial? <laughs> it depends on how the calling begins and what your assignment is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're attached to determines that. If you're, these, um, these people, our whole thing was we are groundbreakers. We are change agents. My job, my calling was to interject what was into God's body and his kingdom, what had not been uh, even known, let alone practiced, for ages. I'm talking about centuries, and if not more. But So it's for sure centuries. And so my job was to get people back into the word of God because we have, you know, under the, the prevailing paradigm, it was all about your personal experience. It's all about how you feel. It's all about what it means to you. It's about picking your favorite scriptures and, and, and pasting them all over. But it was not about the man Christ Jesus and all apostles are supposed to be uh, to springboard off of the man Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said. He said, I decided not to know anything else but Christ, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. And so if you start your calling under a ministry that's established and you have a leader that's established, you may not. You may have, you know, depending on what they want to pay you, you may not have financial hardship. If God, however, wants to deal with you in a different way, he will create situations where you can make a hundred $200,000 a year that drains out in crisis. Mm. So it's just, it really does depend on what God has planned for you and the, the, the trials you need to perform in that calling. Mm. So all of your trials are 100% related to the calling on your life and the purpose that God has made you and what he's going to use you to do. You have another question? That's good. Um, yes. Yeah. Does the PAQ tell you what prophet's mantle you watch, for example, Jeremiah, Uh It does in relationship to what your mantle emphasis is. You'll see there are comments down at the bottom. Uh, I believe that section in the italicies says that these are the, the mantle types that yes. most uh, are most compatible with what your mantle emphasis is. You can Yeah, right. So when you, uh, we have, as you know, the PAQ is broken up into those three levels, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And so when you hit the intermediate and particularly the advanced level, you get more information. Uh, we don't want to overload you with information if you're still in your prophetic emergence experience because we want you to learn your gift, understand your God, begin to explore those dynamics, obviously spend a lot of time in word intercession and training and development before we start uh, revealing to you some of the other aspects about how you're going to function prophetically. But, yes, it does include that particularly on that advanced level. Very good. Very good answer. Mm-hmm. And, and along those lines, does every prophet carry a mantle that can be found in the Bible? Do you want to talk? 
Well, I'll, I'll answer it this way. Um, one of the things that Dr. Price first taught us in the beginning of the prophetic is that if, if you are a prophet, you are going to find yourself in God's word, that you're not going to find yourself outside of that. And that we are, something else that she said, which I think is important to this question, and that is as contemporary prophets, we are continuing something and not initiating it. She uh, taught us that a lot in the beginning. So um, you should find some kind of prototype of your mantle in the scriptures. Absolutely. And I would say that uh, if, if you don't, you want to be leery because of what the, the influence is. Yeah. But I want to say something even, even broader than that. A lot of times you may be thinking that you're functioning and operating outside of a scriptural mantle because we have not learned the depth yeah. of these mantles. We've even been taught the our biblical predecessors from a gift kaleidoscope or gift perspective, okay? So the telescope is like this big sometimes on what we understand about this because the office dimensions are just now being opened up. So there could be aspects of how a, pe- a person functions and the latitude that they have in terms of performances and manifestations that will show up in that office that uh, a gift-only perspective will restrict or limit. So you may be thinking, oh, I can't find this anywhere and come to find out, oh, yeah, but Jeremiah did that, but Elijah did that, but that is what Ezekiel did, but you recognize that's what Moses did, okay? And so you, when we begin to broaden our training and, and understanding of how these are supposed to function, not as just expression but as the, the entire institution and the whole prophetic spectrum, I think you might find yourself in there and not realize it. And let me, ask, let me say this, because I think that those are two excellent answers. Thank you, team. Um, but I want to add, the prophetic began with God, and Abel was the first prophet. So before there was any other precedent, Abel got his prophetic development education, orientations, etc., cetera, uh, from the Lord Almighty himself personally. So God kicked this thing off by personally ha- um, doing it and defining it. The whole battle between Cain and Abel is based on the fact that God said, I want this. The prophet told the community, this is what I want, and his brother didn't agree. And so coming down the line, prophets' bodies leave. Their mantles stay in the planet. As a matter of fact, just to put this thing to end it on a biblical note, uh, when Jesus came, he said, who do men say I am? And, those, and, and, and so the people didn't say, you know, um, uh, uh, Dionysus, Apollos. They said Jeremiah, Elijah. They said, or oh, one of the prophets. So the answer to your question is that the, Jesus, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy because he is the founder. God Almighty is the founder of the prophetic. Mm-hmm. Like everything else. Why is he going to have that out of his control? You have another question. Mm-hmm. How did we as the prophets get through the opposition that faced off with you, Dr. Price, in this journey? Yeah. Uh, but who wants to go first? Uh, well, they'll all answer because they all have their story. We're going to start with Saturday morning kids. That's what I'm going to start with the Saturday morning kids. Okay. Uh, well, I think for me, I recognize biblically that anybody great that God used had people that did not believe. And and some of that unbelief came from external sources and some of it even came from their families as we were talking about earlier. I mean, let's look at Joseph's story. His all his brothers, I mean, come on. They chided him. They ridiculed him to the point where they literally betrayed him and told him. So I think that for me, looking at Dr. Price's life and her opposition, I was like, well, but scripturally, I mean, even if you look at Paul, <laughs> I was like, I mean, I mean these people 
people did not really have a good time of it, um, even even in their the fact that yes, they had latter glory, you know, David, latter glory. But how many years did it take him to get to that place? Mm-hmm. And we talk about family, his father in law come on. You know, so um the, the the to me I think that looking at the fact that there was this was not unusual. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really, that's really it. important. Really if you're going to work with an apostle, if you're gonna work with someone great, you've got to understand people opposing them is not unusual. Don't buy that lie. It's not true that everyone's gonna be in love with somebody if they're doing the right thing. That's just not true. A lot of people are doing the the right thing and being persecuted for it. So I think you have to you have to really understand how this thing with God works, and again, find it physically because physically every leader he used went through it and had to face off with opposition. David's mighty men had to decide to stay with this man, even though he was running, had no home, was 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 deprived of every bit of honor that he had earned and gained for Saul. They had to decide that it was God's word in his life that they were going to persevere with him for. So I think that that's what it is. If you're called to somebody mighty, you got to decide that you're going to persevere with the word of God in your life. Powerful. Um, Ashley, we'll let you go next. Well, that was great. That was a powerful answer. <laughs> Very powerful. Um, I would say that whenever I met people who opposed, um, I had to control the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, you would, Ashley. Because especially if it was people, especially with people close to me, you have a couple choices. You just cut everybody off, or you can regulate on the conversation. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, this is not on the table for discussion. Mm-hmm. Period. And that's okay. And we're not talking about that. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what you're talking about, or it's just not. That's just not it. And so a lot of warfare is never going to go away. If you're making a decision that people just don't agree with, mm-hmm. we take this out of the realm of this. It could be going to school for something else or moving across country, moving to another nation that will separate you from what's familiar, mm-hmm. and people are going to have their opinions. Um, and, and with that, also praying and shutting that warfare down in the power of those words over your life. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do that in your position, they will work you over. Mm-hmm. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. People over the years, family, and their prayer circles, and they would ever, and because they in their heart never truly believed that was really the right thing to do, mm-hmm. if it was this journey or another one, those prayers eventually overpowered them, and they went back. They did. And I would say the uh, importance of taking authority over your own sphere of life, taking authority when you know you have heard from God, mm-hmm. when you know what you're doing is the truth, and your life is better for it, and things are turning around, and you are more sane than you've ever been. And all of the signs of God's favor and approval of that decision are accompanying it, mm-hmm. then you certainly have to limit. Uh, that's one of the things that I did was to limit the discussion limit engagement if there was something that I thought okay no matter what we do we're going to come back to this and we just kind of silently fell apart mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a fight it doesn't have to be a battle sometimes it can just uh, you allowing distance to come mm-hmm. in the relationship especially as you're getting stronger because when when you're new into it and you're not as strong or if you're just not that person if you always allow yourself to be swayed by other people other people's opinions, you're going to struggle with that. But um, And then some things just take time. Mm-hmm. Because once, you know, as we grew up into this, mm-hmm. and now your fruit is mm-hmm. mature, it's a whole other conversation that we have with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I'd like to say, because I think it bears, um, um, it bears telling, and that is that Ashley's mom was the only mom 
out of all of them that started out the gate saying, but this is God. Most of the mothers fought me terribly, and they fought me because their mother instincts were aroused. What are you doing with my baby? What are you doing with my kid, you know? Ashley's mom, I'll never forget, we had one of our events. She actually relocated here, drove here alone to be with her daughter and to be a part of this. She had listened to me for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And, and then it takes Yes, exactly. And so she drove here, and I remember she made a statement that I think um, it touched my heart. And she said, I am Ashley's mom, and I know I gave her the best that I could give her, but I've taken her as far as I can take her in her destiny. And I want her to fulfill her destiny completely. So I am releasing her to you. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, and I, at that time I had, you know, I mean, I'd gotten stink mail from other mothers, and they called them. Uh, it was crazy. And so, yeah, you might get the little stink mail, you know, and then we had the one that called the school on and all of that. But so when she said that, I thought, wow. There are mothers. And, you know, when it was over, the Holy Spirit said, you know, a great parent will turn their peace, their children over to great developers. And it has to do with us thinking that Christianity and its challenges are an anomaly. And they aren't. They're not an anomaly, yeah. you know. But I'm going to let you answer your side of the question because yours is different. I and you, we, too, have family resistance like crazy. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I think it's, I think it comes with the territory, which is why Jesus said you got to be willing to hate all of these things. Otherwise, you're not worthy of me. Um, and it's, it's difficult when you actually start dealing with Christianity in this organic state. It was full of opposition. Like you said, this started with persecution. Um, from the beginning, Abel getting killed mm-hmm. because he was doing the right thing. And so it started with opposition. It started like that, um, and it's continuing on. It's legacy. We have a legacy of sacrifice, and I think that and suffering. and suffering. He says the fellowship of his suffering before we can get to that resurrection. And so I think we do need to think it not strange. Mm-hmm. You know, after a while, it, it, it stopped becoming strange. The warfare literally just stopped becoming strange. And we started anticipating it. And I think that when you stop being afraid of it, when you stop being opposed to it yourself and start anticipating it, you can garner the strength that you need for resistance. And we had, and as Prophet actually pointed out, they had to build over time. We had to learn how to garner the strength from resistance because the psychological warfare is real. Is this God? Because you're making me question myself. So once you resolve it in your own self, that your commitment, your loyalty, your uh, dedication to it, you have to resolve where you are with God and that this is God for you internally so that other people's opposition doesn't resolve that. Mm-hmm. And the people who leave it to others to resolve where they stand in their position and in their calling will lose every time. And that's something that we gain from direct experience. Mm-hmm. If other people started calling the shots, whether it be family, whether it be whatever, then guess what? We couldn't stand for God. Mm-hmm. But when we resolved that we were going to stand for God, it didn't matter. We were able to continue to move forward and get better at it. We got better at the resistance, and mm-hmm. resist strength comes from resistance. The mm-hmm. only way you get strong, you can't build a muscle without having a counterweight. And so the opposition became our, the counterweight of our growth and development as prophets. We recognized we were not going to be strong as prophets. We would not be Jeremiah, Elijah, based off of the whole nation. Daniel had to take on the whole nation. So we would not, Jeremiah had to take on the whole nation. So we're not going to take on nation. Take they had to take on their own countrymen. Jesus took on his own countrymen. So you only get that strong by having that counterweight and being able to resist. With these, where other people are, to resist the resistance against you. And so when we were uh, taking stands for her, she was our role model for how to do it. 
We watched her never quit. We watched her never give up. We watched her never back down, even in the tears, even in the pain, even in sometimes the dread of knowing what she was going to face by doing what God called her to do. She became an inspiration for us for how to do it and how to take this on and to know how to stand for God. If you have a leader who is capable of imparting strength to you, not just words and doctrine and encouragement, but imparting strength to you from their own trial, then that alone itself, I think, gives you that ability to rise above and gives you the things that that extra impartation, because leaders can impart a lot of things to you, mm-hmm. but you imparted courage and boldness and fight and strength and fortitude and endurance and perseverance and all of it. And so that's what taught us. We were like, if she's getting up, we're getting up. Okay. <laughs> and there were times that she was like, I'm not getting up. Ashley's getting up. No, we're getting up. Okay, there were times where, look, I don't have any money to pay you right now because we're going through this particular trial, so I understand you need to take care of your lives, do what you need to do, okay? It's kind of like when Peter, I mean, I'm sorry, when Paul was in the jail, the jail was like running around thinking, is everybody gone? What did Paul say? But we're still here. (laughs) And we didn't leave. And so she turned the light on when it was all over. We're still here because we learned that success Mm -hmm. in God we have a legacy of people who endure to the end. Yeah. And so that is kind of how we did it. We focused on, like she said, the scripture, the legacy. We did what she did. We did not allow other people to resolve this issue for us. Mm-hmm. And then we, most of all, were inspired by our leader. We allowed her to mentor us even in trial. See, when you have a mentor who can mentor your trial, come on here. Mm-hmm. You already know you got free. <laughs> you already know you got free. You know, I'd like to say the um, – the most difficult thing when you are starting something new, you're the groundbreaker, the trailblazer, the most difficult thing is to separate the newness of what you're doing from the traditional or the routine yes. resistance and, and trials you're going to face. That was a challenge. You're being on earth. Just, just, I mean, you're on earth. I mean, you know, Jesus said, woe to the earth for offenses must come. It's going to be hard on planet E. Because that's what we started out that way. Um, and so that was the first thing. The second thing was I never had a question about Jesus Christ. I don't. Like, people have all of these, but I don't have those questions. So my, my, my confidence is that I, the, the man's clear to me, and I'm called to do this. What I did not want to do was to give Jesus more people to bow out on him when the going got tough. I was committed to giving him powerful leaders and powerful sons and daughters and powerful followers and champions. My passion today is to give Jesus champions because anybody can bow out. Bowing out is the norm. You see, overcoming is always mentioned and celebrated because it's rare. The rarity is that people endure to the end. The rarity is that people overcome. Most people fall in line with the herd mentality. They just fall in line. They fall in line with criticism. They fall in line with people who don't like what they're doing. Well, you know, my whole life was that. So do I care? No. And so I was com- I'm committed. I wanted to give him the best. If you say, what do I write about Paula Price? What do I take down and take away by Paula Price? I want to do two things. I wanted to give him the best so that the world would know that our declaration of him being king of kings and lord of lords and god of gods is not just lip service. Many people's praise is lip service. They don't really believe it because if they believed it, they would do all they could to make it so and to keep it so. So that's the first thing I wanted to do. And the second thing, and I wrote it in my, my founding um, organs, and the second thing I wanted to do 
was to give Jesus Christ a staff of well-trained, competent, powerful ministers that he could rely on. Because God, even though we, we, we theologically, you know, we theologize it away or theologize it away, we doctrinate it away, we do all of that because it sounds good. But in the end, it is still dropping out. It is still punking out. It is still trading off. It is still compromised. I don't care how sweet the words are. When it's all said and done, we, 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 if, when the going gets tough, we are the people who want to stay home with the stuff. And but there are the reason there's a David, the reason there's a Jeremiah, the reason that these people made it in God's book is because they made it in God's life, and they pushed through His trials. So for those of you, you know, we can say all the things you want to say. Yes, I mean all of it. Had the hits, had the this, had the that. We, you know, when we do our next broadcast on something like this, you know, we'll be able to help you out in these other ways. But. In the end, I taught them not just to prophesy. I taught them the life of a prophet and the life of a prophet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I taught them the world of the prophet, not just the sphere of prophecy. I taught them the dominions. I taught them the, I told them we don't just equip, we arm. And so those things are very important when you know it, because I did not teach them to prophesy and forget to mention, oh, by the way, there's going to be a little opposition. Just, oh, oh, I, I, you know, hey, you know, dear, it just, you know, girl, just go after it. Just whatever the Lord, whatever the Lord, you just do it. I didn't do that to them because I knew that I had to equip them to stand and have them done on the stand. Many, many, many training programs equip you to go, but they don't equip you to stand. Then if they equip you to stand, they don't equip you to withstand. Woo. And if they equip you to withstand, they don't teach you how to bounce back. Ah. Because offenses will come. Jesus said offenses must come. There will be backlash. There will be a slander. God knows I've had it all. There will be all kinds of crazy. But you have got to understand them as what she said. I talked them that psychological warfare. When we read Second Corinthians 10, when it says, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that what exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But listen to me. The, every argument, those are psychological mind games. Those are war games of the mind. And you have got to strengthen your mind. So I put a lot of time, uh, effort in them strengthening their minds, strengthening their thoughts, help shaping them, teaching them how to, how to manage and maneuver their thoughts, how to flip their thoughts into Christ. You have to do that, mentors. You have to do that. You cannot do it. But you won't be able to do it if you didn't. So if you've got, if you've got checkout on your list, guess where they are? They need to check out line. Well, that's true. If you got pulled back, fall down, lay out, quit, then that's what says they're in line because your fruit will bring forth after your kind. It won't go any different. So that is the best part of having uh, having your followers and having your fruit. Your fruit will t- testify to you. I, they didn't know what they were going to say. I didn't know what they were going to say. I had an idea because, well, I did train them, although some of it was good, unusual. But the point is they are the fruit of standing and pursuing, not checking out, not backing down. And I taught them Christianity is great, and then I began to show them how great it is. Most people present Christianity as a problem. We are not the problem child of creation. We are not the problem center of creation. 
We are the offspring of the Godhead of all creation, and we are the top of the line and the best of the best. We are the species that God made that said, ah, I got it. Ah, I don't have to make another. We are the last species of humanity God will ever make. So I let them know that we start out on how great it is. We don't start off with Christianity being the problem. We're not the problem. We're the answer. We're the solution. And I start off by giving them. I'm going to close it on this because this is so important. We start out with teaching them how great God is and how greatly we are made and how great we're becoming every single day. We don't start off with having come with, with the world's conflicts with us. We don't do that. We have tried. You know, we've tried to kind of work through that. I don't start out with the world's conflicts with us. You know, I, I'm kind of like, I don't really care. I'm like, are you kidding? There is now, I look down a list of the things that you call fun, and I see death on the other side of it. I see disease on the other side of it. I see disappointment and brokenness. So if I just look at the fruit, it's not all that impressive. And just because masses are doing it doesn't mean that they're not massively wrong or massively at risk. Mm. Yes, God. And so I don't do that. We start off with Christianity being the great, it's great thing it is. This is a good thing. This is powerful, and I let them know it. We don't entertain the fact that, yeah, well, you know, because you're a Christian. No, uh-uh, because I'm a Christian. Not, oh, because I'm a Christian. So we're not, they don't get an apologetic education. We're not apologizing. We're not, I'm not apologizing for being a Christian. I'm not apologizing because Jesus Christ is the great I am, and he's all, he's all that, and he's good at it. Yes, he is. We don't apologize, and I don't beg your forgiveness on it, and I won't. And so I teach them to do that because that's part of the root of strength they need. If they're uncertain, then how can they resolve? Mm-hmm. Uncertainty keeps okay. you unstable. Mm. And that's what I want you to know. I need that to be clear for all of you who are listening. Start the stop starting with the with the gift. Stop starting with the performance and start with their soul, with the transformation. They have to be they have to buy into it. A lot of people just have never bought into it and we have them out there. You know, it's like an actor. You pay an actor to say that they want they like this politician. They're paid. We all know they're paid. Nobody believes them because well we know they have paid you to say it. Right. You know what I mean? I like the guy that's saying out there fighting for free. <laughs> That's the guy I'm a police. Okay, he's taking stones for free. Ain't nobody, he's not going to get a check at the end of that. You know, paid protesters don't impress me because that means you protest anything the dog, the cat, the cat, hair, and stuff. And so I just, you know, those kinds of things are important. Uh, when you have to develop your people, start with why this is the best thing the world has ever known because it is. It's proven to be, it's proven itself over and over again. Prophet Ashley, what do you have going on over there? Mm-hmm. Are we wrapping up? Okay, but well then be ready. <laughs> Your turn. Uh, what do you want me to say? Well, you said when we do, I'll be ready. So. No, I mean whenever you are ready to wrap. Oh, okay. I'll be ready. Oh, because so, you know she's so preparatory. But uh, you know, so we we have a few more minutes. So hey, you want to share? Did we get well, any more? Well, another question. Oh, well, let's ask him um, that. Can you operate in more than one mantle interchangeably? I, there is, you can do it. The answer to the question right out the gate is yes, but not with equality. You can't be equally this or that because nothing's equal. That Not even your right and left side. You know, the right and left side of your body is not equal. Um, so that, that just lets you know. So you can do it, but not equally. And, and you have to know what's primary, what's secondary, what's tertiary, and we can go on. 
So that, that, that's my answer. That you and, that, and the assessments will help them out. Yeah. Yes. yes, the assessments will help them out. And you can see this is a great team. Okay, so go get an assessment because so, so says the team. And it will tell you, because our assessments will do that, it will tell you your, prim- um, your primary gift, will tell you your secondary and your third. We've seen, we've had, it's even designed to spot people who do that because it will spot those what we call hyphenated, where you, you know, we both come up with, with almost near equal mm-hmm. strength. Never, never 100%, but near equal strength. Hallelujah. Was that good? Yes. Yeah, and one more. How should someone approach their leader Oof. about this kind of thing as far as the prophetic if there is no option for training? Oof. <laughs> you know, it's very um, challenging to answer that question. If the first thing is, I never advocate circumventing your leader. Give them an opportunity because you don't know what God may be saying to them. You don't know what they're dreaming or feeling. You don't know any of those kinds of things. I'm learning that many, many leaders are in transition right now, and and while they're in that transition state, they're also in flux. They're not, okay, I want it, I don't want it, I like it, I don't like it. It's yay, it's not. So I'm telling you, so, so many things are rushing in, you know, just just overwhelming them. So my first step would be still schedule a private meeting with your leader. Not don't bum rush them after church, okay? Because see, when they bum rush me, I don't I don't remember what you said, okay? And so don't bum don't bum rush them, but but schedule a private meeting before you go to your meeting. Write out what you want to say. Write out your questions so that you're clear and not argumentative. You are inquiring. You are sharing. And then once you sit there, allow them to speak their mind. Do not go there prepared to judge. And don't go there with ultimatums. If you don't do this, then I'm leaving. Or or, or retaliatory plans. If he doesn't like it or she doesn't like it, I'm going to stop my tithing, my giving, or my serving. So don't do this. Make this a very objective uh, encounter so that you can hear their heart. Now, if your leader says, that they don't have it or they don't want to do it, then your second option is going, your second choice, not even a choice, your recourse, I'll say that, is going to be choosing to get the training and development that you know God has put on your heart to get and let them know that you're going to do it, but be determined to get it done. Now, I know that there is a popular teaching that says that you cannot get ministerial training anywhere from your church, and yet people get professional training all the time. They go to college, they go to business schools, they go to seminars, workshops, etc., and they do it all the time professionally. Prophets are a professional institution. Before there was a church, there were prophets. And we need to be clear on that. Before there was a church, before there was Christianity, there were prophets. Before there was an Israel, there were prophets. And I just told you, they go all the way back to Abel. So if you are called to be a prophet, the first thing you need to do is take the assessment. Our suggestion is that you first take the MAQ so that you are not going to waste money taking the PAQ to have it tell you that you are not a prophet. We've had that experience. Yes. So, because the PAQ is strictly going to give you prophetic information because it is designed to assume that those taking it are prophets. So, you're not going to have it tell you anything about you being a pastor.
pastor, what it will tell you is that you are not a prophet and you need to take another assessment. It will refer you. So there are referral statements, but it will not um, do that. That's the second thing. Uh, the next thing. And then after you do that, you'll get your advice, and you get a 30-minute advice with one of these three. And some others, we got, what, two more, three more out there? Okay, so I think we have five altogether. So you'll get a 30-minute post-assessment advisement. Toward the end of that assessment, you will be invited to, be, to, to uh, sign up, subscribe to a program where you get mentorship, training, covering, prayer, and counsel. It's a very rich program. It's extremely ministry-rich. And so this, you have a very rich program that you can become a part of. If you do, then you, you will be invited to sign up, and it becomes one-on-one. -on -one. Now, here's what you will like about that, aside from all that I just told you, is that it's also private. So no one has to know that you're taking these sessions, that you're getting trained to be a prophet, although by the time you get one-third of the way through it, you're going to want to tell everybody anyway. <laughs> so you definitely want to make sure that you – you um, let your pastor know. Now, I always encourage you to inform your pastor because your education does its job. And when it does its job, it begins to show up in, in beliefs and actions and consciousness and behavior. So they need to know that it's happening. If you feel like you don't have that kind of relationship with your pastor or if you want to what I call the mid-pew, back-pew saint, it may not matter. That's debatable, you know. But if you are a leader on somebody's staff, they need to know that this other influence is happening. The challenge is once you say it, you need to be prepared to choose ye this day whom you will serve. Because if your pastor is adamant against it, then you have to make some hard calls and some hard decisions. If that pastor is, is a, a, a receptive to the Holy Ghost, susceptible to God's impressions, God will speak to your pastor and will release you. Even if they do so grudgingly, they will at least release you or tolerate it. So I hope that helped you out because I, I wanted to make sure you had a clear picture of, of what you're going to expect when you're trying to do this. And let me say this. The Holy Ghost is telling me to tell you this. And don't try to convert your pastor. The feet can't convert the brain. So don't try to convert them. You can share. If they're interested, they're fine. We've had people go through the program, and their pastor was very difficult but decided I'm going to leave it alone because I don't want to get in God's place. And over the years began to appreciate the training when they saw how helpful it made their servant. And so there is that too. Hallelujah. And we serve as an independent agent. Yeah. PPM Global Resources, which is Third great part. Mm -hmm. because we are – we're not here to rival your pastor. We're not here to rival your leader. We're not here to take other people's sheep. We're here to be just a professional, independent agency, like, you know, mm -hmm. like you mentioned college and everything else, uh, to facilitate the needs of training and development for God's ministers. Absolutely. And so did you want to give a final comment on that? I, I think you said it well. I think my only final comment today would really be congratulations. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Seventeen four. Yeah. Seventeen four. Seventeen for us, four for the Paula Price show. So we thank you. I want to thank all of you all for listening. I pray that today's show was a a true blessing to you. Uh, quite a bit happened that was truly in the will of God and certainly not in our minds. Certainly wasn't in our program. Yeah. But 
make sure you pass this on. I think this is rich for young people. I think it's rich for college. I think it's rich for leaders and foundation founders and, and innovators, and on we go. There's a whole lot to be gained from this. Pass it on, share it, share it, and share it. We do want to thank Prophet Assey for arranging it. I want to thank Apostle Nona for checking in as she passed on by. Bless the name of the Lord. But most importantly, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ who has been our rock, our salvation, and our anchor. Well, today is Thursday, so that means it's Prophetic Egg Day on top of it. So we get more of this. They don't come back. Two times. Yes, eight o'clock. So they don't come back tonight. No. And, no. But but we will schedule <laughs> another session like this where we talk about this whole thing and prophetic training development. Walk you just through a little bit more of our experience together and our experiences with the Lord and in His world of the prophetic. So love you all dearly. Hey, let's say goodbye. We've come to the end. We only have a couple more minutes, and I know you have. Yeah. We're seconds. Second. A couple more seconds. Bless you. See you tonight, 8 o'clock Central Time. Hey, prophetic head. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Become a financial supporter today by visiting www.drpaulaaprice.com and click on Sow a Seed. Donate today. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.